Okay, we better get started. We have a meeting tonight after this, so we've got to be on a bit of a schedule here. So this week is week three, and the focus, the Greek word focus this week is agape. And if we've been in church for more than 10 minutes, we've heard agape love, that it's a sacrificial love, that it's the way that God loves us. He loves us unconditionally. So that's the focus, the focus word of the evening. And uh, we'll go ahead and watch this video, and it is... The same length as the rest of them, so I don't have to tell you that. We do cut out the cheesy little skit, so I'll have to speak up at some point. But uh, it's a good one. I watched this one this morning, and it was good. So enjoy. I actually did think about that. I don't want to act out, but it'd be funny if somebody else did. Hit it, Josh. We're looking for some, we're looking for somebody to serve each other, and so we we were always debating. Okay, are you is your turn to serve me? When are you going to serve me? He came home. This is like our first week of marriage. He's like, I am starving, and I was like, Me too. Right. And we were just looking at each other like, Somebody needs to make the food. And in my mind, I was like, I cooked three days in a row. Isn't it your turn? And he's like, I don't understand this turn word. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I didn't understand it. To this day, sometimes I still don't understand it, but that's okay. I've grown a little bit. One of the things that surprised me when we got married was how selfish he was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I know it sounds funny. You know, when we're dating, I just didn't see it. And then we get married, I'm like, wow, she is really selfish. <laughs> Oh yeah, and it wasn't too long before. I thought he's one of the most selfish people I've ever met in my life. Exactly, and that's what I saw you. And it took me a long time before I looked in the mirror and realized I'm more selfish than she is. Yes. Selfishness is not something I've ever seen you struggle with as it pertains to our kids, as it pertains to me. Um, you're one of the most selfless human beings that I know. No, seriously, you are. You are. Um, now, controlling, on the other hand, <laughs> that's a whole different other story. There would be times where I'd act like I was 12 years old, and she'd be over the edge, like, I need to fix this. I, I would say that the, the biggest misconception that I brought in was that he would completely understand me, and that even if we like had disagreements or fights, he would understand where I was coming from, and so that would smooth it over. And I just remember realizing pretty quickly, like he did not understand me. <laughs> I did not understand him. I could not understand why he did things the way he did. So I think that was for us. I was at this place where I'm like, man, I married the wrong person. And it's easy to think because I'm six foot seven, so I'm weird tall. She's five two. Uh, she's on the other end of that scale. And we're just so different. You know, I like guns, motorcycles, and the UFC. She likes babies and puppies and all things sweet. And so if, if there was ever anyone who married the wrong person, it, it's me or her. You always marry the wrong person. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is that um, 
that God, his intention is for you to learn somebody that's, learn to love somebody that's different and, and fallible. Um, secondly, change. You know, I've heard that um, if you're married to one person over a lifetime, you're actually married to five different people because they change and you change. And so if they're the right person now, they're not gonna be the right person tomorrow, right? And then, and then lastly, they're a sinner, which, I mean, you think about it, they were so bad. You were so bad that Jesus had to die to save you. Um, if Jesus had to shed his blood to save you, that's probably going to cause me some irritation and annoyance at some point in our marriage and, and vice versa. And so because of that, you, you learn that one of God's purposes is teaching you to love like he loves, love like Christ loves. And that involves loving not the wrong person, but a person who is sometimes wrong. Do I believe in love? Um, yes, I experience it every day. Love is, it's more like a feeling, I guess. I don't know how to define it in words. It's uh, commitment, respect, trust, safety. Yeah, I think a lot about safety and yeah, yeah all the goodness. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's more of a feeling and, and, and a vibe and something that you know when you're in it. I feel like there are a lot of different definitions of love. So in some ways, yes, but I feel like as a college student, you kind of go through a lot of different experiences. So I've kind of gotten to that point where I don't really know. <laughs> uh, love is everywhere. The sun, just a good day that you wake up just to be blessed. It don't necessarily have to be with another person. You can be in love with yourself. And that's why you gotta find love at first to either to even find love any other place. I think love is when two people can get together and they're there for each other in their best moments and their worst moments. Well, I'm struggling with that right now because I'm 55 and been through a divorce recently. My husband ended up having an affair on me after 25 years. So as of today, I'm not feeling really 100% love. As like keeps life exciting, you know? What's there to believe in if it's not love? My idea of love was skewed. As much as I said I loved Darren, really I loved how he treated me, especially when we were dating. I loved him when he acted how I wanted him to act. It didn't take long to realize that if this marriage was gonna work, both of our ideas about love needed to grow up. There's a lot of squishy definitions about love, but you know, uh, the way, the way I define love, and I think the Bible defines love, is that love is beyond a feeling. Uh, it includes feeling, but it's way beyond a feeling. In fact, there's no such thing as true love unless there's sacrifice. Love in the scriptures means that I disadvantage myself for the comfort and benefit of another. Agape, from the Greek unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love. In marriage, it means I do what's best for my spouse, regardless of what it costs me. Agape. Agape love is literally a selfless love. It is one that's foreign to most, most human beings because we don't get to see that model over and over again. In light of that, it's something that we have to learn daily. It's why the, the, the Word of God says, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. What that means for me then is I, my job is to love Jada on a daily basis. Not the way I want to be loved, but the way she wants to be loved. The way God wants me to love her. Marriage reveals the gospel by showing how love covers a multitude of sins. 
what I love about the truth of the gospel is that you have to deal with brokenness, you have to deal with sin, separation, stubbornness. In our culture, it's machismo, it's the manly pride. We gotta deal with all that. And the gospel speaks to all of that. The gospel shows what love and action, the giving of self, a demonstration of love is. That is truly the art of marriage, is really reflecting the gospel in such a way that love between us that's supplied by God covers all of our nakedness, shame, and guilt, and that we love each other holistically, flaws and all. I thought you said you were going to clean up while I was gone. Oh, wow. Oops. Listen, not my fault, babe. It's my Ima. Your Ima? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm a seven, wing eight, not a details person. You better get off that couch. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, oh, babe. Mm -hmm. We just talked about belt tightening. Oh, yeah, I have seven new belts to tighten. The budgets, tightening the budgets. Oh, honey, it's just my Ima. I'm such an otter sometimes, you know, always having fun. Well, I hope otters think bankruptcy is fun. I'm not a jerk. I'm an ENFJ. Come on, let's go! It's not my fault. I'm a middle child. I mean, maybe you should feel bad. I'm a truth teller. I'm a verbal processor. I'm processing here. You're sitting? Why are you sitting? Just once. I asked you to take me on a relaxing vacation. We're relaxed. We're very relaxed. Look, I read that this was a very relaxing, strenuous 10-mile hike with 1,500 feet of elevation. You said that this trip was going to be my birthday present. Well, I can't help it. It's my personality type. I'm a... I'm a jerk, all right. Nah, mostly no. Hey, let's go find a nice restaurant. <laughs> you are a true gentleman. The power of the Holy Spirit, the perspective of God, when I allow it to replace my perspective, I see you differently. You're not the person that made me mad. You're not my husband. You're not the one that did. You were first a child of God. You were second my brother in Christ. And God's like, hold on. Before you start dealing with all those other things, here's who he is first. How can you not value him? How can you not love him? How can you not want his best good? How can you? So there's this. There's this elevation of how you see the other person because God puts on par in scripture. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, Mark says truth. And he says the second is like, you say love your neighbor. So before you're my husband that annoys me or irritates me or I disagree with, you're my neighbor. You're the person I have to love. You're made in the image of God. And so for me, having a gospel-centered perspective on marriage changes everything before I get to my eye level problem, right? There's this whole vertical perspective that I need to have that 
if I let it, if I really let it, it changes the way I see you. It changes grace and forgiveness. I don't need anything bad. I don't need to say, remember the time I forgave you? Right. The central aspect of love is to say, my goal in this relationship is your good. Even if that means it's going to cost me something um, for, for that to be experienced. And, and I need to say, early in marriage, I thought my goal was Marianne's happiness. Well, early I thought it was my goal was my happiness. But then I came to a point where I thought my goal really is to make Marianne happy. And I, I had to recognize that happiness is, is not the central goal. My goal is is Marianne's good. And sometimes what's gonna be good for her is not gonna be what in the moment is gonna feel happy for her. Same's true for me. There are times when what's good for me is not what makes me happy in the moment. We have to be in one another's lives saying, what's gonna cause you to flourish? What's gonna cause you to grow? What's gonna cause you to be the person God made you to be? My goal is to lay down my life so that happens in your life. That's what it means to say, my goal is your good. Even if it costs me something, make that happen. I think that's foundational to what real love is. What if the health of your marriage is determined by what you're giving, not by what you're receiving? And what if we didn't think about, man, I hope my spouse hears that when we hear that question. And we focus on ourselves and we say, okay, how would I grade my marriage if I'm gonna grade it solely on what I'm giving right now? My love growing up meant to ask God, what are you trying to change in me? I was always trying to change Darren. And in fact, you know, I look back and I'm embarrassed to admit that I actually thought that all of our problems in marriage were due to Darren. I heard a speaker at a marriage conference say, rather than listening for what your spouse needed to change, that I should draw a circle around me and focus on changing the person inside the circle. When I started doing that, it changed our marriage. You oh, skipped, that was fun. skipped to 1535. Yeah. Y'all thought that first little skit was the corny one. It was this one. <laughs> Somebody else is in the. 45 or 55? 35. Needs above yours. I might Yeah, I was wrong. Sorry. Just go till it's over. There you go. So what agape love means is that at times in my marriage, I'm going to choose to set aside my preferences and desires for the benefit of Darren. John 15, 13 reads, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. The Greek here for love is agape. And the Greek for life is not just our physical life, but it's actually our inner life, our ego, our personalities, our personal feelings and desires and affections. So dying to ourselves and our wants and our ways shows preference to someone else. And this kind of surrender, it happens over and over. That's what makes a marriage. So for me, this looks like being a student of Darren and knowing what his love languages are, of being a student of him and knowing that he doesn't want to sit across the table at a coffee shop and talk really deeply and look into my eyes. That's what I want. 
but for him to really open up, we need to go and just take a walk and be walking side by side. And as we do that, that's when he starts to open up. I think of how you and I have had to learn how to do vacations together. Because for me, vacations need to be planned because I'm like, otherwise you don't get the best reservations and you end up wasting your days. And you're, you know. That is not a concern of mine. Vacation is time to chill and relax. And if I miss something, I miss something as long as I was with my people and having a good time by some body of water, I'm good. So I want structure and downtime. Like between 2.30 and 4.30 downtime. After that, we're back on the schedule. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I mean, what we've learned to do is to say, okay, we can structure certain parts of it. And then I, I've just got to be ready to say, hey, that's okay. We're, we're just going to hold this really loosely. And if the morning doesn't go as planned, then that's fine. I have learned to go into in a bathroom, look in the mirror and talk to myself as though I'm talking to my family that witnessed me saying my vows. What would Nana say? What would my auntie say? So talking to myself and saying, God, this is killing me on the inside. And I want you to help me to represent you well in the scriptures and praying and crying and being in that bathroom, doing business with God in that mirror, because I am a witness to the vows that I've taken. And my family loves this man and they love me and they want things to go well. And so they look and see it. Can God really do it? And so I keep those things between myself and God and release them to him and help him to transform me and change me, which is hard when you are a high control type of person. To represent and reflect Christ in our marriage required me to take my selfishness to the foot of Jesus and lay it down and say, God, you have to change me. Because all I was praying was change her. That's all I was praying is change her, make her see. And I realized, no, it's not about her. It's about me. I was a self. I, I mean, still there. This, it's always about me. It's always about my needs, and you meet my needs. And it's like, no, I have to lay that down and say, Jesus, you please change me. Help me have eyes to see her needs, not just my needs. And that's a radical transformation that I don't think any human can do. It has to be done outside in, from Jesus entering in and changing us from the inside out. Humility is one of the most beautiful characteristics that we develop as we grow more into the image of Christ. And that even makes a stronger marriage when we can approach each other um, in humility and recognizing, I mean, Philippians 2 talks about like even what Jesus did, like he put himself aside and um, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so modeling that humility is um, really what is it gonna help your marriage flourish even more and helps our marriage flourish more is because approaching him or approaching a situation, not as though I know it all, but hey, as a team, let's let's use the way we're both wired in our giftedness and have God help us figure out whatever this issue is. like a marriage is made up of two very different things. A marriage is made up of man and woman. Coffee is made up of beans and water. To make coffee, all you really need to do is put water into beans. And yet if you were to just pour water over beans, that wouldn't be coffee at all. That'd be two things sharing the same space. Just like a marriage, just because you say I do, just 
doesn't mean that you become one. You don't want to just share space. You don't want to just share the same last name or the same address or the same bed. You want to experience oneness. For coffee to become one, the beans have to be ground, the water has to be boiled. Both things have to sacrifice. If you truly want to become one in marriage, you'll have to change and you'll have to go through great sacrifice. But the result is a great cup of coffee. I remember having somebody say to me one time, read verses four through seven of First Corinthians 13, but instead of the word love, put in your name and, and see how it sounds. So First Corinthians 13 starts off, love is patient, love is kind, love, love is not self-seeking, it's not rude, it's not irritable, it's all of those things. Well, when I took out the word love and put my name in there, Bob is patient and kind. I mean, I had to stop right there and go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've got some work to do there. I, I think of 1 Corinthians 13 as a diagnostic tool. It, it's a way that I can come back and keep saying, okay, am I living out the calling in my own life to be loving? Am I... Am I living up to what love looks like? Is this what, what my wife would say is true about me? That I don't keep a record of wrongs. That, that I uh, rejoice in the truth, don't rejoice in unrighteousness. That I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. That I never quit, I never give up, love never fails. I, I look at that and say, this is just a good recalibration tool in, in my own heart and life to say, that's what I want my love to look like. How am I doing? The marriage is, is so much about service and sacrifice and sanctification, which really means change, that God is changing us more to the image and the character and the nature uh, of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so if you don't like to serve, you're not going to like marriage. If you don't want to change, you're not going to like marriage. I think all of us have a reason to get divorced because we fail each other miserably. We don't meet each other's needs. There are things that we hope for and we don't get, but there is a great reason to stay in, like fight for it. We've seen it time and time again that God renews, God restores, and God does miraculous things today. I guess that's it. All right, let's see. Tough question number one of the evening. They quoted it twice, once at the beginning and once at the end, but he just said it. If you don't, if you don't like to serve, you are not going to like marriage. If you don't like to change, you are not going to like marriage. How does this quote resonate in your life? I'm not going to pick on y'all. 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 Y'all sat in the wrong seat. If you don't like to serve, you're not going to like marriage. If you don't like to change, you're not going to like marriage. How's that make you feel? Y'all were, now Benita, you were cracking up laughing when you read that. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you, Benita. You don't have to answer. Well, I think you're constantly changing. Watch this at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, 
what was good when we first got married wasn't at all what it is today. You know, uh, your life changes in so many different ways. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully through the sanctification process, it changes for the better. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there are seasons of not that. <laughs> but I think that's something that if we were told that in the very beginning, would we have thought a little harder? No. Don't forget about the serve part. If you don't like to serve, you're not going to like marriage. I don't know about the rest of the men in the room, but serving sometimes, especially in marriage, doesn't come natural. It's it's definitely a learned behavior. In my life, anyways. Well, they say that change is inevitable. <laughs> Good job. Whether you want Good to or you don't. I mean, you either institute change, so you either work on changing your marriage for the better, or if you just leave things to their natural causes, it's probably not going to get better on mm-hmm. its own. I mean, just like anything, change is inevitable. And, you know, as far as the, um, the serving thing, no, I had something I was going to say. <laughs> that happens to me. Chalk it up to age. Well, then I can't chalk it up to age. <laughs> Anybody else have anything to share about that before we move on? I think it means that you have to be flexible and you have to think about others before yourself. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, nowadays you, you see a lot of just so many people that are just so selfish and they could care less about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And until you show them that, they don't realize what they're doing. So you have to be... Especially if you realize that before you get married, you're able to... It's okay. You're able to... To start... Add him in on the the voice call. Uh, If you're able to realize that before you get married and take it into your marriage, you're already one step ahead. So that's good. Serving probably comes more natural to the woman too, because as the nurturer, as the mother, the spouse, you're more inclined to serve. Whereas the man is the breadwinner, he's out, and that's his way of serving. But the women sometimes don't interpret it into that aspect. Yeah, just like that lady said, I want whatever her husband's name was. I want him to love me in this way, but that's what I want. So. Yeah, we sort of have to squash our desires sometimes in that. Uh, when I got married, I quickly realized I was going to have to change what I ate and <laughs> how I cooked. And now, uh, even though like I eat like a Scot, so hamburgers, whiskeys, every night of the week wasn't uh, going to fly. So I uh, now eat Mexican food, <laughs> and we even make guacamole in our house, which is very strange. Um, in my opinion, uh, but I guess that would be a way to change me for the better. <laughs> I mean, Bill doesn't even eat pizza. <laughs> he said, Amen. Okay, J.D. Greer said, We are so bad, so sinful, that Jesus had to die for us. So, in marriage, two people, two sinful people get married, and we know things are not going to be perfect. 
Now the question is, because of your saving faith in Jesus, how are you able to show your spouse the same sort of grace that Jesus shows us or gave us or continues to give us? Like they have a constant reminder the sacrifice that he made. You know, if he did, if he gave it all for me, then how can I not give it all for Dale or all for my children or all for my church? You know, I have to take that into consideration that he gave up everything. Mm -hmm. quiet room tonight. Everybody's nervous. We are so bad, so sinful that Jesus had to die for us. He said that sort of joking, but it's very, very true. Let's see here. The next little bullet point I have says, um, like that woman said, I loved him when he acted that way that I wanted him to act. Do you think, we all know this is not a healthy approach, uh, but it takes... Heather and I have been married for 10 years, and I feel like sometimes I'm just now learning how to do well in marriage. But we always want uh, we want things to go a certain way. And then you will find, if you get married, people in the second row, that sometimes your expectations are not always met perfectly. And you can really let that wreck your not only your marriage, but just life in general. We want we want what we want. We want things to go a certain way, and when they don't go the way we want, we act like little children, especially in marriage. And then, then you have to live with the person that's not pleasing you in this certain way. So it's just it can be just a little back and forth. Anybody felt that one before? Anybody felt that one? It's just me? <laughs> just us? Oh, wow. We need counseling. You have to remember that your expectations are sometimes in your head. And so if you don't verbalize your expectations, you both have expectations that are this far apart. Mm -hmm. And then they're very difficult to meet. So communication, second row, is key. Yes, <laughs> yes second row. The rest of us have this figured out. We are here for you. I don't you. count. I'm kind of second row. <laughs> I like what they said about vacation. <laughs> But it, it, it's like a magnifying glass of your marriage. I've been married people in the second row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like I'm what you're used to doing for Christmas, what you're used to doing for holidays, where you spend your time, and what do you what are your expectations when you marry somebody else who has those same personal traditions in life, and it's. That's when you really realize uh, you're new territory. You're in uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. Joby Martin, who we've listened to and hear before, he says, uh, and I think I repeated it, but he says, uh, if you're with, if your children are with you, it's a trip, and if you're, if it's just the two of you, it's a vacation. So, I like that. There's a little bit of truth to that. Let us see here. That you're, you're putting two, two different lifestyles together you know, and background and, and like you talk about traditions and things that you're accustomed to and cultures. You, I mean, if you know, you could have even different culture type things. 
can't be Mexican, you know. Uh, <laughs> so there's so many things you don't realize that's all that come together. Uh, I think I said that well, first week was, you know, you take the way you were raised, and he's got the idea that the way he was raised, and you put it together, and you try and get a halfway sensible thing out of it. It's hard. It's really hard. And even little, th I'm thinking about one thing, uh, and Heather's not here to defend herself, but her mother can be her defense because she's here. But um, in the Hayden family, if we're if we're supposed to be there at, if the thing starts at seven, we're going to get there at six forty, maybe six thirty. The tools, the the, the, the Heather's. She's not worried about time. And no, time is not a thing for like so so the balance is okay. It's time. Yeah. So the balance in is okay, I know that we're not going to be the expect my expectations we're gonna be early. The reality is we ain't gonna be early. <laughs> so I've got to just sort of okay, this is patience. Do I want to explode and make the situation bad with the person that I live with because it's like a in in our family it's like a badge of honor like I was on time I was even early like my dad would if he he's going to be the first one there and he's going to rub it in your face that you didn't get there on like why are you late I mean can y'all do anything on time uh, I was okay. also taught that patience is a virtue have you ever been waiting in the vehicle and you see him come out and then they turn back <laughs> and you lose all hope. <laughs> so just that little stuff that you. There's a second car for a reason. Yeah. There's a horn for a reason too, but it doesn't really work out real well for my favorite. But all these things you don't think about until you're, uh, you know, you're neck deep in it, and then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that this. I mean, we've been married for 10, 10 years, and the, the timeliness expectation it's been compromised which is good, uh, but it has been a real struggle for me. Something so simple. I mean, that's pretty, that's not really, that time is very, people's time, being on time for other people is very important to me. And I'm not saying, Heather has uh, wonderful characteristics and areas that I, I can't even begin to be good at. So it's like, what hill am I going to die on in this? Like, do we really need to be 30 minutes early? Is it okay if we're 15 minutes late? Probably. Just calm down. You know. You laugh a lot. I, Still I, hurts me though. I'm, I'm famous as I don't know how to relax. But to me, not knowing how to relax is relaxing, I guess, or whatever. So, like, I can relate to the one guy going, hey, isn't this great? Isn't this fun? You know, or whatever. We're walking up this, you know, trail. She's or, popping blisters on the back of her right, seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, the one guy, I can relate to him, except I wouldn't plan for the two hours of downtime. I would still have something planned for those two hours. I don't think you go into the marriage, but you're so blind, so in love, and so infatuated. There you go. And then you get in it, and you're like, uh oh. I didn't remember him for a second. I don't remember his mama waiting on him at one in the morning, texting him hot damn sandwich. You know, just all the things that you thought were so wonderful, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and taking 
the Thomas had to finish his degree or go teaching. I compared to a lovely school for girls. We all have killed each other. I think someone's still in the school to this day. <laughs> and that was only nine months. <laughs> I got four years, this man. <laughs> I think that, you know, having a relationship with Christ in your marriage helps you to do those. <laughs> yeah, especially being surrounded by people Christ-centered people that have been married for a long time, that makes the biggest difference. Like, as they can, like, if you're all looking through the lens of Christ, then patience really means something to you. Or uh, love, agape love. I mean, you don't hear, you don't hear about, like they said in the video, you don't, it's not part of our culture. Agape, agape love is not part of culture. It's only biblical. That's it. You're not going to find it. You might find little pieces of it, but um, it is just not, it's not something you see on the news. It's not something that's instinctual. It's something that is learned through Christ only, you know, and if, if you can't learn that from worldly folks, you know, what do you mean she did this? Well, just leave her, you know, get you another one. Like, well, what? No, we can't, we can't, we're not doing that. No, because that's what our culture teaches. Right? What about me? What about me? What about my needs? What about, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what humanism is. It's about me. Right. If I'm not getting my needs met, then... Then I'm out. So they said love is beyond a feeling. Love in the Bible means I disadvantage myself for the benefit of another. And we've talked about it. The word is agape, which is unconditional, sacrificial, selfish, selfless, not selfish, love. So in marriage, it means that we are to do what is best for our spouse, regardless of what it costs us. This selfless love is foreign to us as humans apart from Christ. What did you all think about the, I know the Ima, the skit that they did, but that Ima skit was a little confusing at first, but. As it went on, it became, uh, you, you understood. So I'm a, a lot of that stuff, I think they were talking about Enneagram stuff, which is this stupid survey that tells you what kind of personality trait. I hate that stuff. I can't stand it. Sorry, I get fired up by those things. But uh, I'm a number seven, which means I'm whatever. I don't know. But we all have, uh, oh, well, I do. Uh, I'm a, you know. I'm a guy that likes to be on time, you know. I'm a, you know, I get impatient when there's too many kids around. There's all these, you know, I'm a not willing to deal with this person or that person. Do you all, if you're willing to share, do you have any big flaws of your own that you can think of that fall under this I'm a category? I'm a jerk, that last guy said. I'm a jerk. <laughs> That's when it really made sense to me. It's like, oh, I, I got that one. <laughs> I'm a guy that likes to be on time. That's one I would would admit. I'm a fixer. Like you're gonna fix the problem now. <laughs> I'm a don't have the patience to wait on the resolution to this problem. <laughs> Yeah. 
I'm going to boil over, and BJ's like, I put it in the freezer for five or six years. and We had that problem in our house, too. Five or six years. <laughs> I, 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 Throwing out meat from I want to deal with the problem right now, right now. Let's deal with it so I can get rid of it, move on. And he's somebody that stews over it. He sometimes don't even know what the problem is. He just, like I said, he just. Most of us don't. That's me. He just, he just <laughs> sticks it in the freezer, and I'm like, no. We'll bring this back out when we're ready for it. Kind of By then, I'm like, what? Yeah. Had six million other things going it's on. So freak burned. <laughs> dried up, crusty. So who would be non-confrontational? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, and and I very much come from a family like if you're upset. There's no secret about it. You're upset, and you just put it out there right then. And I'm a truth teller. That one said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and, I, and when I, when you can't like being that way, when you can't resolve the issue, and instead you have to wait for the freezer person, it it's. <laughs> I can see him just look at you and shake his head and walk back out. It's All that so life dream. The hot and cold just creates a tornado. <laughs> yeah, and he can't. He can, he's like, I just, I can't find the words, so I'll just have to wait till I find the words. Well, sometimes I just want to buy him a dictionary to help him find his <laughs> words. <laughs> That's what the phone's for. You can help. <laughs> <laughs> What does it start with? <laughs> so I think you might fall into the I'm a fixer category, possibly also. Yeah, maybe. I'm a spender. What? I find clearance stuff at work. I'll, does anything, I'll, I'll justify purchases. And then I come home and she sees my three bags of stuff from the work, place I work, and she's like, what'd you buy now? <laughs> Says the guy driving the 1996 GMC. 98? Yeah, I was close. Oh, that's good stuff. You know, a lot of what we talked about, I leaned over to Tammy during that video. I said, a lot of this is a first world problem. Our society has time to think about this stuff, think about ourselves, think about what we want and what we want, what it's going to take to make us happy and what we're willing to do. Other people in other countries don't have that luxury. They're taking care of themselves, they're taking care of their needs, uh, and it's not about them so much. They're giving all day long and they're surviving. And so, I, you know, a lot of this is just, it's kind of like fat, you know? <laughs> it's because yeah. we're fat cats. We get, I had this I had the same conversation with somebody today just randomly that uh, you know there's needs all around us but are they really needs you know because there's people that and there listen there's all kinds of stuff going on but are they really needs you know we live in a place where most of our needs like you said aren't really needs they're just not you know you look at a, a, a old broke down looking house and there's four cars in the driveway you know it's like Nice car. Yeah, I just. Anyway, I'll get real sidetracked on that. I'll get all started. Okay, a healthy perspective is this: rather than viewing your spouse as your husband or wife, how can it help us to view them as a child? One, a child of God, and two, a brother or sister in Christ. 
This thought should this thought alone should change our marriages. So if we're not viewing our spouses, we need to view our spouse as a spouse, but primarily we need to view our spouse as a child of God and a brother or sister in Christ. So they gave the example of, so I'm not getting mad at my husband who I'm trying to get this from or blah, 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 blah. So how would it be helpful to us if we can view our spouses in that way? Child of Treat them differently. <clears throat> I mean, you're not going to lash out at, you know, a brother or sister in Christ for some minute little thing. It's just going to, you're just going to let it roll off and just go on with it. Where someone you're in a relationship with, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be intensified. Because you're wanting to either fix them or you're wanting them to fix you and, you know, meet those needs that are unmetable. So if I made you late getting somewhere, it wouldn't bother you as much as if Heather made you late getting somewhere. It all depends on the person we're going to. Okay. <laughs> it all depends on the situation. <laughs> Some places I want to be late. <laughs> you know, but if somebody else makes you late, you might not be as upset as if she does it. Exactly. You know. Yeah. You know, person, well, everything's magnified when you yeah, live with the person the for person life. The person that you love and, and share your life with. When yeah. They, when they do something like that, sometimes it can be worse. Yeah. But when they do, uh, what do you talk, two goodwill people who love each other and wouldn't intentionally do anything to hurt each other. We, It's not intentional. It's out of all these feelings that we got. We, you know, you blow the horn or something when you're waiting or somebody, you know, you're impatient because it's with her. I don't know. We, I don't think it's intentional. It's always you just you take that person for granted. Yeah. It's that they're there every day. They're you know they're part of you, and then it's just so easy to take them for granted. And you go back to the dating stage where you would have never gotten upset, or at least that person might have been upset <laughs> with something mm-hmm. like that because you would you know be concerned that they either lose her or him, and uh, yeah, it's just something that we have to always. Keeping the forefront that you, know, you don't ever want to take them for granted. Yeah, and I think continually serving, and what's the other word that we're focused on? Serve and. Sure. Yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah, the serving and the sacrifice. It's a daily thing. And when it, <coughs> if it is genuinely a daily thing, there can be. No, and if you're both doing it, there can be nothing but fruit coming from that, you know? But it's easier said than done especially over a real long period of time. So our goal in marriage should not always be happiness. Sometimes the things that make us happy aren't good for us. Our goal in marriage should be goodness and flourishing under the banner of Christ. And discipline always doesn't make us happy, but it is for our good. I think happiness is, these are kind of just my notes that I wrote here. I think happiness is ultimately a byproduct of a healthy marriage as it relates to marriage. Mm -hmm. So, how are you focused? This is a question. How are you focusing on loving your spouse sacrificially so that you can know the happiness that marriage brings? If we're not, if we're not living out our marriages the way that God intended, if we're not serving each other and being sacrificial towards each other, we're not going to be happy in the end because it's not easy. Um, so, how are you? What are you doing to focus on on loving your spouse? Sacrificially. I mean, I'm not married, but 
when you marry somebody, shouldn't you always want to help them in any way you can? Which is, once again, going back to the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So, so you're putting their needs before yours. Mm -hmm. women are better at that. You know, with the, it also with just takes effort. <laughs> <laughs> she said it also just takes effort. Well, I mean, that's that nurturing instinct somewhat, I think, with the women. You know, you see it with the kids and everything. It, that they plan, you know, they keep track of birthday parties. They, you know, buy the gifts. They do all that stuff. That keeps <coughs> And I might be speaking, I might be, I, I feel like most men's default setting, especially on the emotional front, is laziness. Mine is, like, I could sit, I could sit alone for a week and have no emotional interaction with anyone and be totally sustained in that. Like, what's wrong? Nothing, I feel great. <laughs> and I genuinely, I really do mean that. Like, I'm, I'm good. Just spend some time with me. But I know, yeah. Just hanging out. What you need, you know. I so I could do that. I could do that for a long time, but that is not how. I'm not loving sacrificially, but that you got to find a balance. Like I can't be, I can't be fake. I don't want to be like, I can't just turn it on, turn it off. I, but I got to, there's got to be compromise between the two of you. Like if Heather wants to be loved that way, I have to make an effort to, to do it without being ridiculous. Cheesy. Yeah. Well, cheesy is okay, but I just mean like, I can't put on that. I can't act. I can't. I can't. We have to seek to understand each other, you know. I can't just pretend to. There are days, there's moments, there are moments where there are great moments. I have some good moments, but there's, I mean, there can be a, just a season of this, you know. So even with the communication, I mean, if you ask, if I ask my wife a question, how does the day go? It's just, I know I'm going to be, it's going to be a long time until that's done. What happened? I mean, what happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not much. I think that's the difference between a male and a female, too. Yeah. Even when the kids were little, you know, I would hear people say they didn't, their kid didn't tell them anything. And it was like, my house never shut up. I had four daughters. <laughs> they started from the time they got in the door till the time they went to bed. La, 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 la. You know, one thing or the other. And I have grandsons that don't tell They yeah. come in. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you also no, try. You also <laughs> try. <laughs> that is not how it is at my house. <laughs> Let me see. We're getting to the end. I got to pick out these. So even in that, like we know how we know our own tendencies. That's half the battle. No one's half the battle. They say so. I know that I can be just stoic, let's say. I gotta fight that urge sometimes. Even 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 outside of marriage, even within uh this situation that I find myself in, I can't walk around. People are like, what's up, Zeke? What's wrong with him? Well, yesterday he was happy. You know, now he's I'm still happy. I'm just 
This is this is my happy list today. So you got to fight that urge, but also there's got to be understanding. Like you're going, people, Heather included, anybody is going to know if something's off with me, you know. And I think that's just the balance we got to figure out. Like, is something wrong, or is it just his personality? You know, I'm a, I'm a, what is it? I'm a, yeah, I'm a. That was my I'm a statement. I'm a jerk. Let's see here. How can we close this out? We've got about four minutes left. I just put it on the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, get back, we'll get back to this in two years. <laughs> yeah, that can happen. So in marriage, not only are we representing Jesus to outsiders watching our marriages, we are representing Jesus to our spouse. We are Christ's ambassador. How can this thought promote health in our marriages? And I have a, as a reference, and I didn't look it up, but I think I'm writing this, and it's not, it's not in the marriage context, but Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, uh, he says, keep a close watch on your life, uh, for by doing so, you will save yourself and your hearers. It's really talking about teaching, doctrine, uh, Keep close watch on the teaching, I think one version says. But we need to keep a close watch on our lives, on the way we act, on how we interact with people, on how we interact. If, if this, this series has taught us anything, it's that in some ways our marriage could be the, the greatest example of how people see Jesus in our lives or the worst example. So we need to keep a close watch on that. So we are ambassadors for Christ and we've got to keep that in mind in our marriages. So we're going to close with this. In what ways can we commit to pray for ourselves and not our spouses in strengthening our marriages? And I liked what the guy said at the end about uh, the first Corinthians 13. He says, uh, Tink is patient, Tink is kind. If it, if it causes you to giggle at yourself, you think, oh, I don't know about all that. And what did he say? It's a diagnostic tool for how you're loving your spouse. To, to put your name in where it says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Somebody carry on with the rest of it. I, I don't have it memorized fully, but am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I being envious? Am I being boastful? Am I being jealous? This is a, These are good guidelines. So how can we commit to pray for ourselves for the strengthening of our marriages. And to counter that, how can we pray for our spouse in strengthening, strengthening our marriages? How can we pray for ourselves and each other to strengthen our marriages over time? God change me. Mm -hmm. Please Satan is really good at causing you to believe a lie about yourself. So you could pray we had a we had at our old church we had a celebrate recovery ministry which celebrate recovery is sort of like uh it's like aa for any problem that a person might have like anger or impatience it hurts habits and hang-ups uh, hang you've been cr huh so when you go to cr they say what my biggest takeaway from cr is all sin is selfishness Every single thing, anger, impatience, 
alcoholism, anything. It's all, you know, for the alcoholic, it's, I don't like the way I feel. I want to feel different. I want to feel different today. Or with anger, it's, I don't like the way this situation went. Uh, I'm going to be mad about it because it didn't go my way. All sin is selfishness. So if, if the prayer can just be, God, please make me less selfish every single day, you know, that would be a great benefit. And if both of you are praying that for yourselves, you don't need to don't need to pray it towards your oh God, please make Heather less selfish. She's wearing me out. Like I'm not <laughs> so certain that's a healthy prayer. But if we can, you know, if if the posture is, Lord, make me less selfish, if I become less selfish, even if she's acting a fool. <clears throat> I'm not going to get so stirred up and angry and impatient about it. So, yeah, the prayer needs to be, Lord, change me. Change, take me away from me. I want to look less like myself and more like you. And I think we will see. Well, sorry. And as far as praying for them, um, I have found that what helps me is, you know, that I you know, just pray that I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this person, thank you for giving me this, this godly man who has such a heart to serve others or, you know, whatever, like they're very, you know, even when you're upset with them, which is a great time to do it because it's hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying for. Um, if you're praying nice things, but, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, just, just that, you know, just that you're thank, thank God for this, their good qualities. And it, it really does help change your heart and see them because you will find, you will see what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a person's faults, that's what you're going to see. But if you're looking for the good things, then you will notice those. I'm going to have somebody press out of here in a minute, but I want to praise for a moment that Tori here had a surgery the other day and she did very well with it. Isn't that right? Yeah, all the glue's coming off. Took four and a half hours instead of the eight to 12 they possibly planned for. But you're doing well. Just a little bit of glue on the neck, so I just a little scar. A little big. bit of evidence of the surgery. That's all right. We're glad you're here. Can you press out of here? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we have had together to um, to gather and study from your word and learn about a Christly, God-like marriage. And I just ask that you would just be with each and every person, Father. Um, you know the needs and, and requests in each and every heart. Father, we just lift those up to you. And we just thank you for all of your, your blessings on our lives, Lord, and help us to be ever mindful of of the how very blessed we are and we just ask that you would just go before us as we travel home um, <clears throat> that you would keep everyone safe and lord and that everywhere we go that we would remember um, that eyes are watching and just to share your love and your gospel with others in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen.